Turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 6. We'll have it up on the screen. I'll be reading today from the NASB version today. But let's go to Romans chapter 6. And I want to speak to you today. My my title is, This Life I Now Live. This Life I Now Live. And let's open up in Romans 6. And let me read again the NASB version from verses 4 to 11. And as we always do, uh, to keep tradition going, let's all stand as we read God's word. Amen? Romans chapter 6, verse 4. The word of God says, Therefore we have been buried with him through baptism unto death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have become unified, uh, excuse me, united with him, In the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died is freed from sin. That if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again, death is no longer his his master over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. So even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Father, we thank you for your truth. We thank you for your words, Lord God. We thank you that through you, Lord God, we have been made alive, God. We know that we were dead in our sins, dead, separated from you, God. But because of you, Jesus, because of your cross, because of your work, because of your love, God, you have made us alive with you, Lord God. And Father, I thank you because of that, God. You made us die from, uh, to sin, Lord God, that we died, God, to those old things, those old ways, God. And I thank you today, God, that you show us that newness of life, Lord God. You show us how to live in these days, Lord God, fully alive in you, Lord God, no longer bound to the dominion of sin, God, but free in you, Lord God, alive to Christ Jesus. Father, thank you for what you're about to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. You can be seated. Amen. He speaks of, we just read about newness of life, having a, a, a new life in Christ. That old self, our old man, was, was crucified in Christ. That old guy who used to live before we, we came to Christ, that he's crucified and we're dead to sin but alive to God. See, I found out, I don't believe in reincarnation, reincarnation but I, I do believe that we have two lives. We have two lives. We have a life before we knew Jesus Christ, caught in the world, doing world-worldly things. And then we have another life with Jesus Christ when we came to him. And I thank God that that old life is gone, and it's got to be gone. Us. We don't have to live that, that old life anymore because we've been made new. Now, he just doesn't come and just kind of wash us. He gives us a, a new nature. He regenerates us. He gives us a, a new nature. We become like him when we get filled with the Holy Spirit and come to Christ. He changes us. We have a a new life. We don't have to live like we used to. We don't have to live bound to those things. We don't have to live worried. We don't have to live in fear. We don't have to live caught by sin. We don't have to do that. Why? Because with Jesus Christ, he makes us new. He does something on the inside, and he makes us brand new, praise God. One of my favorite scriptures is Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. And if you could turn there, probably my, my, well, they're all my favorites, but this this is right up there. In Galatians chapter 2, it kind of encapsulates what we just read as well. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, the word of God says, I have been crucified with Christ. 
That means when we come to Christ, that old man is dead. That old person who used to do all those things is dead. And it's no longer I who live. That old guy is not living here anymore, okay? We're supposed to be new. But Christ lives in me. Wow. But now Christ, that new nature, lives in me. I'm different. I'm not who I was any longer. I'm not in those things anymore. And the life which I now live, which is our title, and the life which I now live because I've been crucified with Christ, because Christ lives in me, so now this life that I now live in this flesh, in this body, I live by faith. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. See, his motivation, always love. Never, ever doubt his love for you. Good days, not so good days, wonderful days, even when we're being corrected, even when we're being chastised, it's always because he loves you. And I don't know about you, but I could never get mad at anybody who, who really, truly loved me. But this life I now live, I, I live in the, in the flesh, I live by, by faith. See, faith, trusting every word of God, obeying every word of God, believing every word of God, not going by what we feel, what we think, what we, our experience, our background. No, why we're new now. God, I'm going to live it by faith. I trust your word, God. See, God is so good that do we have faith that can trust him and believe him and honor him even when we don't understand what he's doing? Even when we're not sure of what he's doing? Even sometimes when he's silent? Even sometimes when he seems to be so far away? Have you ever felt that sometimes? That God seems so far away? that he seems so silent, he seems so, so out there. Can we still trust a God that sometimes, Lord, I don't understand? I'm not sure, God, but I know you love me, and I know you are good, and I know, God, that whatever's going on, God, is for my good, Lord God, even though I don't see it, even though I, I don't understand it. See, can we... Trust a God who we don't understand sometimes. Or do we have to understand everything? Do you have to have all your ducks in a row sometimes? And I'm not saying we got to check our brains at the door, no. But by faith, sometimes you're not going to know everything. Sometimes you're not going to know the things that God is doing. Why? God, I, I believe you're good. I remember uh, I read scripture, I think it's John 13, 7, if I'm not mistaken, when uh, Jesus was washing the feet of Peter at the Last Supper, the towel. And Peter said, no, you're not going to wash my feet, Lord God. And, and Jesus said, so loving him to him, and I'm paraphrasing. He says, Peter, you don't understand what I'm doing now, but you will when you need to. Down the road. You don't understand right now. It's okay. God says, I got this. But you will down the road. You will when you, when you need to. You, you will understand that at some point. See, sometimes we, we pray for faith. Lord, help my faith. Maybe in situations we go through, things we go through, Lord, Lord, help my faith, God. See, when we pray, help my faith, God doesn't open up our brain and inject us with, with liquid faith. He doesn't do that. I wish he would do that sometimes. So when we pray for faith, what does he do? He sends a trial. He sends that person. <laughs> he sends a, a, a tribute. He sends a, a, a trouble, not, not to destroy us, to build our faith. See, if God keeps bailing us out all the time, how are we going to grow in faith? If God keeps 
saving us from those situations and those situations. How are we going to grow if, if some of those things don't land and we have to trust them by faith? See, don't pray. I, I used to pray, God, bail me out of every situation. I'm not going to grow in faith if that happens. So maybe stop praying, God, get me out of here. Maybe start praying, God, make this go away. Maybe, maybe start praying, God, your will be done in my life, God. Your will. Why? I have faith. Why? I trust you. Do I understand everything? No, but I trust you. I trust you, Lord God, because I know you, Lord God. His goal is to build faith and, and to trust him and to know him, even though sometimes he's willing to be misunderstood. Imagine that. He loves you so much he's willing to be misunderstood sometimes. Sometimes we do misunderstand him. And that's okay. He's a good God. It was a day like any other in Bethany. Everybody was going about their business. Maybe a sunny day like today. Maybe the weather was pretty good. And, and in the home of Martha and Mary and Lazarus, it seemed to be a, a normal day. Everybody was going about their business. Martha was serving, cooking. Mary was praying in the back. And Lazarus was maybe in his bedroom. And in the, give me a little poetic license here. And maybe Lazarus went to Martha and said, Martha, I'm, I'm not feeling too good today. I'm not, not feeling too good. I said, okay, well, Martha, oh, go lay down for a little bit. It's okay. You'll feel better. Maybe get something to eat. It'll be okay. Mary came over, just put her hand on his forehead, said, you'll be all right, no problem. The day goes on. They check with Lazarus. Lazarus, how you doing? I think I'm getting worse. It doesn't feel too good. Maybe Mary took his temperature with a hand. Maybe his temperature was getting a little hot and... Martha comes over and says, well, maybe we should call a doctor. You know, we have Dr. Weinberg down the street over here. Maybe we'll call him and have him come over here. And, uh, and they say, well, maybe, how about, how about we, we call Jesus? I hear he's about a couple miles away. He's pretty close. Uh, maybe he'll come because he'll come and he'll heal you in a second. I mean, he, he loves us. Uh, remember we had a, a, the time we spent with him? He loves us so much. So let's call Jesus and Lazarus, go lay down. You'll be okay. Lazarus, you'll be okay. Lazarus. 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 And we know that Lazarus passed away. Can we trust a God and believe in God who sometimes we don't understand? See, the Word of God says, I want you to turn there in John chapter 11. Let's read a little bit about this, this story. In John chapter 11, right in verse 3, as we go to the beginning of the story, here's Jesus, and he was <clears throat> walking, and he got a message in verse 2 that Lazarus was sick. So in verse 3, the sister sent word to him saying, Lord, the, uh, he who you love is sick. See, that's, the words are there purposely. He who you love is sick. That motivation of love, that care, that compassion, and they're stressing that. The one you love, Lord God, is, is sick. And here comes Jesus. Now, Jesus loves Martha and Mary and Lazarus. There's no issue with that. So here comes verse 4 when Jesus says, now you, you would think that love says, man, he's pretty sick. He's getting close to, close to death. I, I better get there. Don't we rush sometimes when we get that phone call, someone's sick or there's a problem, and we kind of rush out? And maybe you would kind of expect Jesus to do that, but he's so much different. He says in verse 4, but when Jesus heard this, this sickness is not unto, uh, not unto death. Well, okay, good, Lord, that's good. But for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified by it. 
Now, this sickness is not unto death. Now, nobody's saying, Lazarus is not going to die. Okay, we got that, Lord God. But whatever's going on is going to show the glory of God. Whatever's about to happen is going to show how good God is, how, how wonderful he is, how special he is, how, how powerful he is, how much he loves us, the majesty and wonder of God. He's going to show that in this situation. Okay, Lord, go. Okay, get there before he dies, Lord. Get there before he dies. He wants to show us who he is. He wants to show us what he can do. Because sometimes we forget Sometimes even in our faith, we get so, quote, normal. We forget that he's a supernatural God. We forget that God can do anything. We forget that he's full of glory. Amen. And sometimes he wants to show us that in, in our life situations, praise God, if we have faith. So here he goes. He goes and, uh, and he hears about that. And, and in verse, well, let me try it. He waited Two days. Oh, come on, come on, Lord. That's, he waited, waited two days before that happened. That doesn't seem like love. You got to get there, God. You got to get there. You know, sometimes God has a divine plan that doesn't fit our expectations. Isn't that amazing sometimes? That we're not God. He's not going to go by our time frame, not going to go by our own expectations. He goes by his because he's a good God, he's a big God. So he waited two days. It seems like a contradiction of love, doesn't it? But can we trust a God that sometimes we don't understand? Can we trust a God that is working seemingly the opposite of what he promised? See, sometimes God will give you a promise, and the conditions of life will seem to be opposite of that. And isn't that true sometimes? We pray for this, we pray for that, and the worst seems to be happening. See, God is not done yet. God is not done yet. He's a God full of glory. So here he comes in verse 14, in, in uh, John 11, right in verse 14. So Jesus then said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Whoa, Lazarus is, is dead. And he says, again, seemingly contradictory, and I am glad for your sakes that I was not there. What? I'm kind of glad I wasn't there. What do you mean, Jesus. I thought you loved this guy. I thought everything was good, would be all right. I'm glad for your sakes that I wasn't there. Why? Why are you glad for my sakes that I wasn't there? That you may believe. Oh, oh, that you may have faith, that you might see my glory, praise God, that you would trust me even when it feels like it's all over, praise God, that you would see me and trust me, that you may believe. See, God, God could easily have healed him two days ago and done his thing and be no problem. But that's not a big deal. But when things seem to be over, when things seem to be impossible, God works right in there. When you say no way, God says, oh, yeah, there's a way. I'll make a way where there is no way. Why? Because he's a God full of glory. And sometimes we limit him. We put our expectations on him. God, do this, do that, whatever. And he doesn't do it. And then we get mad at God. Then we get upset at God. Are you kidding me? I, I, I don't know. He's so much bigger. He's always working the divine plan. And faith may not see the plan, but faith sees God. Faith knows God. God, I trust you. My faith is in your word. If you said a couple days ago that this shall not end in death, and he died, 
whoa, i gotta, I got to get my mind around that one, Lord. You said that. It was not unto death, and then he died. Okay, God, you know what that means? That means you're not done yet. That means you're a God full of glory and wonder, Lord God. You're not done yet. He always has a high purpose. He's not going to bail you out all the time. Maybe he's going to let some things get to wit's end. He's going to let things get to an impossible situation. Not because he's mad at you. Not because he's disappointed in you that you didn't pray enough. Or you still sin there and that, whatever. No, 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 no. He loves you. And sometimes he's trying to reach that heart of yours. He's trying to get that thing inside you. He's trying to get rid of that doubt, that unbelief, that worldliness, that one foot in the world, one foot in church. He's trying to get rid of that. He's trying to burn a, a faith in you like you've never had, praise God. And to do that, he's going to show you his glory, praise God. Four dead. He's, 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 Lazarus is dead four days, and he walks to Bethlehem. He comes there, and Martha sees him, and she comes out to him. And Mary doesn't come out to him yet. And I'm just thinking, the Bible doesn't say so, but I'm just thinking, Mary didn't come out to him yet, but Martha did. And Martha comes over to him and says, in other words, in verse 21, she says, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. In other words, where were you? How come you weren't here? What, 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 we needed you. We only had a certain amount of time, and, and where were you? Come on, Jesus, you, Lazarus prayed, he loved you, he was expecting you. Our expectations, our time frames, our sense of urgency, not his, Amen. So he did four days, and, and he says something to, to verse 23. He says something so profound. He says, your brother will rise again. And Martha goes, yeah, I know. I, I know. In, in the last days, we'll all rise again. And Jesus goes, no, 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 no. In verse 25, he said to her, I am. Get this. I am the resurrection and the life. Yes, there's going to be a resurrection at the end, but I am right now. Life is right now. I am the resurrection and the life. See, the resurrection in life is not just an event. It's a person. It's Jesus Christ. It's him. He's our life. He's our resurrection, praise God. And he was trying to tell her, yeah, everybody's going to rise back then, but I am life now. See, we lose track of that. We lose of the, the track of he is life right now. Now faith is. Now I am here. Now I am the resurrection and the life, praise God. And sometimes we think too far ahead and we miss what God is doing right now. Right now in that situation, right now in that, that trouble that you're going through. Right now he's working. Right now he is the resurrection and he is the life. And he says, who believes in me will live even if he dies. Ah, ah. Through that faith, those who believe in me, even if he dies, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? He's talking about then, but he's speaking about now. Do you believe that I am here, that I am the, the resurrection and the life? Colossians 3, chapter, verse 4 says, Christ, who is our life. He is our life. See, Martha and Mary, when she came out and telling Jesus that you should have been here, where were you? Sometimes we, we limit Christ to a physical presence. We limit Christ to just what we can understand and see, and he's so much more than that. 
And I, and I love this. Verse 34, he comes to the gravesite. And Jesus says, where, where have you laid him? Boy, I love this. Where, where have you laid him? These are one of those questions of Jesus that he asks, not because he doesn't know. He asks because he wants to get a reaction out of us. When he asks questions, any question Jesus asks, he knows. He knows. But he goes to Martha and Mary and says, where have you laid him? In other words, you, you say he's dead. Okay, where'd you, where'd you put that dead thing? Where'd you put that thing of, of no way? Where, where'd, you, where'd you put that, that, that situation of, of, of no way? Where'd you put that? See, in other words, Lazarus was dead. It was too late. It was over. It was no way. And sometimes we have a, a Lazarus that maybe we've put away. Maybe a, a promise God gave us that hasn't been fulfilled yet, and we kind of laid it over there. Maybe a scripture God gave us to stand on in a time of trouble, and it hasn't come true yet, so we laid it over there. Maybe there was a, a dream God put on your heart. Maybe a ministry, a, a calling, or something he wanted you to do, and it hasn't happened yet, so you, you put it over there, and you think it's dead, and you think it's gone. And sometimes you, you think your, 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 your marriage is gone. You think your marriage is dead. Why? Because it seems so far from the promise of God. That child, that wayward child seems so far. And every time you pray, you hear worse news and worse news and worse news and worse news. And you put that way over there. And you stop praying fervently. It affected your faith. And you put those things over there. Like Lazarus, when he was gone, they, they just put him over there. That dream God gave you. What, what have you put on the shelf of your life? Did God give you a promise that hasn't come through yet and you forgot about that promise and you let it go? For that wayward child, that marriage, that, that situation, those finances, that loved one. Because it hasn't come true yet. It seems so over. We tend to put those things on the shelf. We tend to put them over there. And, and, and Jesus comes to us and says, where have you laid that thing? Where have you put the hope for your marriage? Where have you put the hope of that lost loved one? Where have you put the, the desire for that, that lost child? Where have you put those things? Where have you put that promise, that scripture? Where would you, you stop praying? Where would you put that dream on the shelf? Have you thrown it out? And have you forgotten about it? When I pray today, I think there are things that we should always accept and there are things we should never accept. And what makes the difference is prayer. Show me the things in life, Lord God, that I should accept, even though it's hard. But God, show me, God, the things I should never accept, God. That dream, that promise, that scripture, that, that word that you gave me, Lord God, that I need to stand on, Lord God. Don't let me let go of that no matter what I see, Lord God. Don't let me let go of that promise for that marriage, my child, whatever it may be, God. Don't let me, even though time has gone by, don't let me let it go, Lord. Don't let me put it on the shelf, God. Bring it back, God, and let that fervent prayer come back alive, God. Why? My faith is in you, Lord God. My trust is in you, Lord God. I'm not going to limit you to my expectations of time frames, God, or how you should work, Lord God. Show me what I should let, let go of, God, and show me what I need to hold on to, God. Show me what I need to accept and show me what I need to let go, Lord God. And he will show you. 
And if he shows you something that you should never accept, don't accept it in Christ Jesus. If he tells you to hold on to something, hold on to it in Christ Jesus, praise God. Why? He's a God full of glory. He's a God full of wonder. He's a God full of love. And he loves you. And he's working. He's working. Well, I don't see nothing. Who cares what you see? Faith doesn't go by sight. Sometimes we, so, we, we go so much by what we feel, what we think, and we forget about the supernatural. God, you can do anything. You are sovereign, God. You are in charge, God. What happened to your faith? What happened to the fire of your faith you once had? What happened to that zeal for the things of God that you once had, even in the face of trouble, even in the face of impossibilities? What has happened to that faith that I know, I know, I know my God. I know my God. And I know his word, and his word says this, and he will never fail. We sang a song, he won't fail. But sometimes those are faith. And maybe today life is calling you. Get that thing off the shelf. Get that thing out of the tomb. Get that Lazarus off the, off the shelf and submit everything to God's glory. Submit it to him. In verse 38 and verse 39, let's go there. So Jesus again began deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave. A stone was lying against it. So here Jesus in verse 39 says, remove the stone. Wow. Martha, the sister of the deceased, said to him, and again, they didn't call him Lazarus, sister of the deceased, confirming that this guy's dead. He's dead. Lord, by this time there will be a stench, for he's been dead four days. And I love verse 40. Did I not say to you, I, I, loved, I loved you, didn't I tell you that if you believe you would see the glory of God? My father always used to tell me that when I kind of blew it and I, I did my own thing. Didn't I tell you not to do that? Didn't I tell you to avoid that guy? Didn't I tell you? I said, yeah, Dad, yeah, Dad. And here comes Jesus. Didn't I tell you? That if you would believe, in other words, that if you had faith, that you would see the glory of God, that you see something unbelievable, that you see something so miraculous, you see something so, so supernatural, out of the ordinary. And the word of God says, take away the stone. And sometimes, you know, we have a part in God's miracles. Faith prepares for a miracle. Faith prepares for God to move. Faith prepares and, and to remove that stone. In other words, he said the same thing to us. God wants to do great things in life, but he says to us, remove that stone that is blocking something in your heart right now. Remove that doubt. Remove that unbelief. Remove that prayerlessness. Remove that hopelessness. Remove that worldliness. Remove that garbage. Why? I'm about to do something wonderful in your life. I'm about to bless you. Why? I love you. I love you. I'm going to show you my glory. I'm going to show you who I am. I'm going to show you what I can do. Do you believe this? Oh, God, help our faith to trust you and believe you, Lord God. Not for frivolous things, but the things of God. See, sometimes faith initiates. See, we get so used to countering something. Something happens, then we respond to it. Faith initiates. Faith trusts God. Remember when the ark was coming across the Jordan in the days of Joshua? Uh, God didn't open the, uh, the Jordan like he did the Red Sea. Remember the Red Sea? God, Moses held the staff, boom, and the Red Sea opens up. It was nice. This time, they're probably waiting at the Jordan to open up. And here you got all the, all the, the Israeli army. Okay, God, go. 
Open her up, God. Okay, God, go. Open up the Jordan. We're going across. Okay, everybody, get ready. We're going across. Okay. They get the waves of the, the, the splash of the waves on their face. Nothing's open up. Why? Because what did God say? When the people carry the ark, put their foot in first, then I'll open it up. Do you have faith to put your foot in there first? See, the walls of Jericho didn't fall by themselves. Are you willing to shout before the walls go? Are you willing to shout for the things of God? Are you willing to praise him before the walls come down? It's easy to praise him when the walls come down. That's easy. But we got to praise him before they come down. Why? In anticipation, God, you're working. God, you are working, God. And sometimes faith initiates praise God. Oh, those, those walls of Jericho that put in the foot in, in, the, in the Jordan first. That man with a withered hand, stretch out that hand. Remember, Jesus prayed for the man in the temple. Stretch out your hand first, and then I'll, I'll heal that. And some of you got to stretch out your faith for God to move. And Lazarus was in there, and he stunk four days, two days, starts to deteriorate, terrible things. And sometimes things deteriorate that seem dead. Sometimes things decompose. And there's a, sometimes a stench over some things in our life. Sometimes marriages deteriorate. Children deteriorate. Hope deteriorates. Sin deteriorates us. And God says, remove the stone. God says, look towards me. Desire to live holy. Get rid of doubt. Get on your knees. God, forgive me for doubt and unbelief, which I believe is the sin that God hates most. Well, we don't think he's going to come through. Well, we don't think he's going to stand by his word. Well, we don't think he's going to fulfill his promise. Get rid of that. Because God loves you, and he wants to show you his glory in the littlest thing and in the, and in the biggest thing. Didn't I tell you that if you believe you see the glory of God. And then Jesus prayed. He prayed to the Father. He prayed. And he prayed out loud. And he says that so everybody could hear. Why did he do that? I mean, he's, God always heard him. And I believe with all my heart he prayed to the Father for everybody to hear. Because what was about to happen was going to come from intimacy with the Father. What was about to happen came from oneness, unity with the Father. Obedience to the Father, love for the Father, sent on a mission from the Father. And he wanted everybody to know that. That, Father, you sent me, God. This is you, Wolf. This is you, Father. This is you. And then came those amazing words. Probably some of the strongest words in the Bible. And I can imagine when these words came forth, the power, the majesty, the the. The, the electricity in the world when Jesus stood, he said it with a loud voice. He says, Lazarus, come forth. Imagine the power of that. Imagine how the world must have shaken. Imagine how the earth must have shaken with the power to speak over death, praise God. That's our Jesus. That's the one who loves you. He loves you. Lazarus, come forth. I shake when I even say that now. I just could imagine the, 
the power of that spoken word of Jesus to cause something that was so dead to come alive? What power, what, what resurrection power that is to come forth. In John chapter 5, there's a scripture. Well, let me get this to you. We'll have it up on the screen. But in John chapter 5, I think right in verse, if I could find it here. Well, we won't go there. We'll go there later. We'll go there later. But here's Jesus calling Lazarus. Matthew 22 says, he's not a God of the dead, but of the living. And in verse 44 of John 11, Luke <laughs> says, says, verse 44, the man who had died, again, he did not call him Lazarus, confirming that he was death. The man who had died came forth, bound hand and foot with wrappings, and his face was wrapped around with a cloth. And Jesus said, unbind him and let him go. Unbind him and let him go. Life called him. See, it wasn't a generic call. My church, come out. It wasn't a general call. Hey, everybody, come on out. It was specific. Lazarus, come forth. He's specific with you. He's calling your name to come forth into new life, to leave the dead things in your life and to come forward. He's calling you. He's calling me to leave those dead things behind and to come forward in the things of God. See, this is so amazing. Lazarus, imagine it. Lazarus came forth. He was bound. Grave clothes are on his face and hand, like swaddling clothes. He was, he was bound. He came up and he was alive. Listen to this. He was alive, but he was not free yet. Why? Because he was still bound by the grave clothes. He was alive, but Jesus said, take those grave clothes off him. And when they took the clothes off him, he became free, praise God. He wasn't not only alive, but he was free. And sometimes those grave clothes that we still wear, we're alive in Christ, but we're not free. We're not free to live this life of faith. We're bound by something. We're bound by something that was dead. We're bound by something in the past. We're bound by an old attitude, a wrong belief about God or whatever it may be. We're bound by faith. and We're bound by the past. We're bound by something. Yes, we're alive in God. We know his life. But how come we're not living free? We're not, we're not, we're not open. There's not that open joy, that open lightness. Why? Because some things are still bound in, in grave clothes. And we get used to wearing the grave clothes. And we think that's Christianity. We get used to living with fear. We get used to living with anxiety and worry. We get used to living with doubt and unbelief. We settle for such a, a low level of Christianity. And God says, no, you got grave clothes on. I made you alive. I called you forward, praise God. But take those grave clothes off right now and bring them to Christ. Bring them to God. Just like those dry bones. Remember the story in Ezekiel with the dry bones? They came up. The bones uh, got sinews and muscle, and they stood up. But they weren't yet fully alive. Why? The life breath of the Holy Spirit was not in them yet. And when that breath of life came into them, then they became. See, they stood up. But when that breath of life was on them, then they became alive, an exceeding great army. See, maybe some of us here today got to let go. There's some of those grave clothes you're holding on to. The things of the past 
attitudes, feelings, worries, situations, whatever it may be. That breath of life has got to come. See, maybe for you that those grave clothes of shame you still feel from what happened way back then. Or maybe guilt, that maybe something happened and you're just bound in guilt. You're not totally free. Maybe sin still captivates you and you're not free. You're coming to church, but you're not free. Maybe, maybe you're caught in those failures. Maybe you're caught in the past. You're caught in bitterness and unforgiveness. Maybe you're caught in regrets. You have regrets and you can't get let go of those regrets. You have those should'ves and would'ves and could'ves and you can't let go of that. And it's grave clothes and it's pulling you back. And it's pulling you down. It's not allowing you to, to live the, the freedom in Christ. You're still blaming people. You're still critical. You're still living in the past. If you're bitter about something, you're still living in the past. And you haven't forgiven anybody. If you have regrets, you haven't received God's givenness for you. Receive God's givenness for you. And let those regrets go. That bitterness regrets. So many settle for, for life in the grave clothes. But today, bring those grave clothes to the Lord. He set you free. He made you alive. Bring that doubt, unbelief, those things that would tend to hold you back. That shame, that bitterness, regrets, fear. Fear is so mobilizing to the, to the Christian. See, one thing about Lazarus, and I love, Brittany, you can come up, please. One thing I, I, I love about Lazarus is that when he came out of that grave, it's amazing. He never looked back. He never looked back. And sometimes we spend too much of our time looking back. Like I said, the couldas and shouldas and wouldas, the regrets and bitterness. He never looked back. See, what the devil wanted to be permanent, Christ said, that's only temporary. That's only temporary. See, some of you think some of that stuff is permanent because you're still wrapped in the grave clothes and you're looking back. No, God wants to pull you out of that. See, the word of God says what I believe Lazarus believed that. He believed that what lies ahead is better than what lies behind. Do you believe that? Do you believe that what lies ahead in Christ is better than what lies behind? Do you believe that God never calls us to our past, but he calls us to our future and to the here and now? That's what he's calling you to. Do you believe that? Sometimes when we think of the past too much, it, we get captive to old wounds, disappointments, regrets, and failures. Sometimes when we look back, it validates your right to be bitter. It validates your right to be critical and unforgiving. See, so many of us are fighting yesterday's battles that fuels old regrets and rehearses old sins. And God says, get rid of those grave clothes. I opened the tomb for you. I called you. I made you new to new life, praise God. And I often think, imagine when, when Lazarus came out and it took the grave clothes off, how do you think he lived his life from that moment on? I know it wasn't life as usual. I know he didn't get caught in those old things he used to get caught in. I know that it was a, a new life for Lazarus. I know that. I know that that he wasn't worried anymore about stuff. He wasn't fearful anymore about what people thought or, or this or that. He came out with an exuberance of life. He came out with a faith that he never had. He came out with a joy 
that he never had. He came out with a testimony. I was truly dead, but now I'm alive, praise God. And when you realize what Christ has done for us, that he made us alive. He took us out of the dead world. He took us out of a dead life, praise God. He made us alive in him, praise God. How could you live this, any of the same? How could you live in the past? How could you live just okay? How could you live, I hate the word, normal? We can't. We're not normal. We're Christians. We're nuts, amen, in Christ. So many of us maybe today has got to shed some of those grave clothes. Stop walking around in them. He set you free. And bring them to him. He's the only one that could untie those grave clothes. The shame, the guilt, the worry, whatever it may be. And maybe it's time you start living. This life I now live, I, in the flesh I live by faith in the Son of God. I know Lazarus. I know he loved more and feared less. I know that. I know he lived to glorify the Lord. Such a renewed uh, commitment and devotion to God like never before. You couldn't shut his mouth up. He shared the good news of Jesus Christ. He shared, imagine that testimony about coming out, being, being dead. Imagine that. There was a new realm of existence for him, filled with the life of Christ, praise God. He hated sin and loved righteousness more than ever before. He had a heart for other dead people. Oh, yes, God. There's dead people all around us. All around us, there's dead people caught in the tombs, caught in grave clothes. And God has given us life and given us life abundantly, praise God. And it was abundant life that called Lazarus out of that tomb. Life called him. Abundant life, newness of life called him out of that tomb. I know he was quick to love and quick to forgive. I know he stood in faith. I know he didn't hold back anything. I know he had a new song in his mouth. A new song of praise to God. Why? I'm alive. I'm alive. I know that it wasn't no, no longer church as usual. He lived deliberately. And no sin of his was greater than God's love for him. No sin of yours is greater than God's love for you. Understand that. And receive that. And bring that to him. I love more than ever Galatians chapter 2. I have been crucified with Christ. And it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Give him praise right now and say, thank you, my Lord.